comes from the book of John, chapter 3. If you can go to the next slide, please. John, chapter 3. We'll be reading uh, from the NIV version, verses 1 through 21. I invite you to open a pew Bible or a device if you're watching online. The words will also be on screen so you can follow along there. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our message, our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you, uh, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For God so loved the world... John 3.16, you've heard it many times. You've seen it on bumper stickers on cars. You you might have seen it on signs at sporting events. You you might see it tonight during the Super Bowl. Uh, Some fan in the end zone holds up a sign just when the camera is on him and says, John 3.16. In fact, in the late 70s and 80s, you may have seen on TV uh, this, this one guy who made it his life's mission to share the message of John 3.16. His name was Rainbow Man. 
He wore this bright rainbow-colored wig and white t-shirts, and he had these crazy antics and dances to get people's attention and try to get the message out of John 3.16. And he didn't have much time. It was what he did for 10 years of his life. He went to game after game after game, traveled around the country and even the world, going to 70, 80 games a year. He, he would, didn't even have time to watch the games when he was there. Instead, he would watch a TV monitor, and whenever he saw that the camera was on him, he would get up and start moving around and holding his sign and pointing to his shirt, hoping to get his few seconds in the spotlight and take advantage of them and get the word out. Now, uh, by the end of uh, a year or two of doing that, uh, the camera operators and the directors who were running the show were really mad at this guy because he kept on ruining really beautiful shots. But it worked. This guy reached something like 40 million people a week through his his antics and maybe even a few hundred million people every year. The reason it worked is because John 3.16 is this gospel in a nutshell. It has all the elements of the gospel. uh, Creation, for God so loved the world and fall uh, shall not perish, and uh, redemption that he gave his one and only son and and the new creation uh, will have everlasting life. John 3.16, some people say, it, it summarizes the whole gospel, the whole story of scripture in a verse. And yet so many of us, so many people out there hear John 3.16 alone and, and they, they miss out on John 3.17 or John 3.1 through 21 because this gospel message is set in the middle of a story. It's this story of confusion and questions, a story of darkness and light, a story about a man named Nicodemus who comes at night to meet Jesus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark, and he is this Pharisee, the, one of the chosen ones, or so they called themselves, the, the people set apart for God. He's also a member of the Jewish ruling council. He's important. He knows his scriptures. He knows the right people. He knows the right stuff. So why does he come to Jesus? And why does Jesus choose to reveal himself like this to Nicodemus? Well, unlike everyone else who's come to Jesus so far in John, he does not come with a question. You know, the the disciples came to him and they said, where are you staying? Or uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Nicodemus comes to Jesus with a statement. He comes to Jesus with Jesus all figured out, or so he thinks. He declares, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who comes from God. We know See, Nicodemus might be coming at night, but he's part of this group of people who have this professional and personal interest in Jesus. After all, Jesus may have been trained by Pharisees like these. He grew up in that environment, and they are more alike than any, other, any of the other religious people at that time. We know who you are, they're saying. They know him personally, but also they have this professional interest in Jesus, we are watching you. We have our eye on you because they recognize that the signs Jesus is doing, the, the healings and the miracles, the water into wine and the, the people transformed, that those are proof that he comes from God. It's like that old rule of thumb about a prophet. If, uh, if a prophet has a prophecy and it comes true, then that's a prophecy from God. If, if a prophet has a prophecy and it does not come true, then they are not from God. Well, Prophets who do signs and wonders like Jesus are automatically approved by God, they're saying. So Jesus is good to go, they're saying. Yet, things don't quite add up because they don't understand who Jesus is and they don't understand why he is doing 
these signs. And Jesus reveals their confusion with this simple little statement. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. And this is typical of how Jesus teaches in the Gospel of John. He'll take something that seems as clear as water, and by the end of it, it will be as clear as mud, but rich, deep mud, rich with fertility, the kind of soil you'd want to plant crops in, the kind of soil that brings about growth and new life. Because in the Gospel of John, Jesus acts in these signs and wonders, and he speaks with mystery and paradox, and yet somehow all of it fits together in him in his body. Now, Nicodemus, of course, is pretty confused by Jesus. Born again? Born from above? Uh, What is Jesus trying to say? Well, Well, the word here in Greek really means both born again and born from above. That's why it's footnoted in the NIV. But it's not a 50-50 split. In fact, a a doctoral student went through and researched every single time that word shows up, not just in the Bible, but in all of Greek literature from a 500-year period around that time trying to figure out how did people use this word and what does it mean? Well, 95% of the time when people use this word, it meant from above or back to the beginning. Uh, it meant something spatial or something temporal, going back to the beginning or, going, or coming from above. Only 5% of the time does it mean something like again. But Nicodemus grabs on to that minority meaning, that tiny little sliver, and makes this uh, musky, uh, this minnow into a musky. Uh, Jesus, how can someone be born again when they're old, he asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb. That is absurd. Uh, Nicodemus is either very confused about what Jesus is trying to say, or he's grasping at straws to make Jesus' words look foolish. I'm inclined to think, though, that he's serious about Jesus. He's, he's seriously curious about what Jesus is trying to say, but just very, very confused. And people today tend to be confused about what, uh, like Nicodemus, about what it means to be born again. I mean, imagine ordinary Joe Schmo sitting in front of his TV watching a football game on Sunday. He sees that John 3.16 sign, or, or maybe one that says, Jesus saves, or are you born again? And he has some idea of what that means, and so he uh, 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 flips on to the next channel. I, I, I know what that's about. Well, the, the rainbow man also thought he knew John's 3.16, and he spent his whole life preaching it, right? But I think he may have missed the point. You see, because being part of God's kingdom, being born again, being born from above, means living like it. John 3.16 and all the whole chapter makes that clear. And it all came to an end like a publicity stunt gone wrong for Rainbow Man. In a hotel room in L.A., he he took a hotel maid hostage and he uh, demanded a press conference from the police and he started threatening to shoot at airplanes landing at the airport. And after hours of negotiations, the the police took him into custody and he he rejected a plea deal where he would have gotten out after 10 or 15 years. And instead, he went to the televised trial hoping to have one more chance to get his message out. Instead, he was sentenced to life, three life sentences in prison, and he's still there today. Many Christians are also confused about what being born again means. I met a guy at the Ellsworth campground last summer who asked me when I was born again, and he told me the exact date and time that he was born again, uh, sometime in 1977, and he asked me, do you know the time and date when you were born again? 
And I said something like, I feel like I've always known Jesus through my family and through the word and through the church, though there have been moments where I suddenly have come to a new and deeper understanding of what Jesus is and means to me more, more clearly and more closely than before. But I don't think he was very satisfied by my answer. It reminds me of Max's friend. Max gave his testimony two weeks ago here, and he talked about a, a friend who has bantered him for, or badgered him for years about this question, for decades even, right? And it's this friendly back and forth banter, but, but it carries an edge. Do you know when you are saved, he asks. I think it's a good question, but I think it's the wrong question because it puts a little too much emphasis on our choosing and not enough on God's saving grace. Uh, Max's friend, like Nicodemus, may be a little confused about what it means to be born again or born from above. It's about being part of God's kingdom. It's about being part of God's way, God's life. It comes, as Jesus says, through baptism and the Spirit. It comes through God's action, not through human action. After all, who chooses to be born? Not the baby. No. The choice is made for them already. And the Spirit comes in like a wind blowing through our neatly stacked theological ideas and prayers and understanding of who God is and how he works. And the Spirit blows them every which way and turns our lives upside down. That's what God's rebirth into new life looks like in everyone who believes. It changes things. And for Jesus, Jesus makes things even less clear as he continues to answer Nicodemus because he says that being born again or born from above means you're born of water and the Spirit. Okay, that sounds like baptism and and, uh, having the Spirit changing you and transforming your life. But it also means that you're part of God's kingdom, that flesh and spirit and wind blow wherever they please. and, And all this must be confusing to Nicodemus as it is to us. But Jesus is taking this idea of being born from above or born again as meaning one thing above all. It's about God's initiative. A baby can't decide when it's born. It can't choose to be born again. No, the decision is made for it. And the point is that God moves first. It's God's action that it makes new birth happen. Not human choices or action. God does the important part. And it all happens through the waters of baptism and through the continual life-giving work of the Spirit within us. How can this be? How can this be, Nicodemus asks. And Jesus explains for the third time, and he expects Nicodemus to understand this already. Don't you know the scriptures? You've studied them your whole life. How how they all come together in the person of Jesus, in this word made flesh who dwells among them. He gives witness. He is the witness. He testifies in his very body to God's truth. He, He reveals earthly reality and God's heavenly kingdom reality at the very same time. And he's doing what no one else can do but the Son of Man, the one who is God in the flesh. It only makes sense. None of this makes sense unless you look at Jesus. And that is why Jesus tells this strange story in verse 14 about snakes and Moses and the desert. Yes, snakes. Because way back in Leviticus, uh, there's this event where the the people of Israel complain to God about the manna. They say it's boring and it tastes bad. We want something different, God. And and what they get instead are snakes. It's a punishment from God. And so the people of God cry out again to God and they say, save us from these poisonous snakes that are biting us. 
And so God told Moses to make a golden snake and raise it up on a pole, on a staff, high above the camp. And anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at this golden snake and live. It was God's power working through that snake that gave life. God's power saved them from death. And it's this strange story because we don't usually think of snakes as life-giving creatures. They're these scary, death-dealing, slithering serpents. We'd rather avoid them. But it is only by looking death in the face that we may live. It's only by, like, like the Son of Man lifted on a pole, like the snake, that we can turn and see him and live. It's simply put, on the cross, Jesus defeats death by dying. Death loses its sting. Death is conquered and Christ is victorious over death. Of course, Nicodemus can't see this yet. He can only see Jesus in front of him, but he hasn't had the chance to see Jesus lifted up on the cross. And, and, but John and the disciples remember years later when they write this book, and they make sense of Jesus' words, and they believe. And that's where John 3.16 comes in. For God so loved the world. That means that God's story begins with love. God's love pours out into creation. God's love redeems fallen creatures that he gave his one and only son. God's gift is God's very own self. That whoever believes in him shall not be destroyed because death has no power anymore but have everlasting life. Because God's kingdom's way of life is is the way of good and good upon good. That God's presence in the world is through his son, the word made flesh. And he brings life and salvation to the world, not death. And it is life for those who believe. and, And those who choose the way of death again and again will find its consequences bring them down to their own death. Jesus draws out this final contrast between light and dark, uh, reminding us that Nicodemus came to Jesus in the dark. And it leaves us with this question about Nicodemus. Did he believe after talking to Jesus? Did he leave Jesus' presence with light, full of joy and clarity and understanding? Or or does he leave in the dark, confused and, and questioning? Well, the simple answer is we don't know. John does not tell us anything about Nicodemus in this chapter. But we do know, later in John, Nicodemus stands up for Jesus when the Pharisees are trying to um, accuse him without a fair trial. And after his death, Nicodemus is the one who comes at dusk before the coming Sabbath and takes Jesus' body down from the cross and prepares him for burial and puts him in his own tomb. He doesn't become a follower of Jesus right here, but maybe... Maybe, just maybe, he believes. And I love that John 3.16 comes to us in the middle of this story about Nicodemus because when it comes down to it, a lot of us are like him. You know, some of us may think we've got Jesus all figured out and then Jesus surprises and confuses us. Rainbow Man certainly thought he did. Uh, Some of those listening may uh, come from more of a a spiritual but not religious background. You've got questions, but you're you're wary of those easy answers. You you think maybe there's a God, but you're not quite sure about this person, Jesus. Well, here are his words in John 3, 1 through 21, and John 3, 16, and John 3, 17. Hear his word of life to you and believe. 
And some of us might not be quite ready to commit. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in the dark. Maybe you're watching this much later and wondering, listening. And like Nicodemus, you come to Jesus in the dark and you wonder, is this the truth? Is this the one in whom I should trust and believe? And Jesus has a word for us. In his commentary on the Gospel of John, Frederick Dale Bruner says, John 3.16 is all about the great and greatest importance of these words. He said, God is the greatest subject ever, and so much is the greatest extent ever, and loved is the greatest affection ever. The world is the greatest object ever. That he gave his one and only son is the greatest gift ever, so that every individual who ever believes is the greatest opportunity ever. Whoever entrusts themselves to him is the greatest rest, the commitment ever, and would never be destroyed is the greatest rescue ever, but would now have eternal, deep Lasting life, the greatest promise ever. That's the gospel. And that, my friends, is worth believing and it's worth doing. Because being born from above, being born again by water and the Spirit, it means living a life in God's kingdom ways. It means that death and sin have lost their sting. It means that grace has the final word, that that the ways of darkness are no longer open and only the way of light remains. Believe in Jesus, yes, and know John 3.16 in the depths and wonder of your heart, and then go and do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. O God, your word of grace to us comes as a gift, the gift of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, in him who, who is life, whose very death defeats death and sets us free from the power of death to to live in the way of light, to listen to your spirit and follow and grow and change. We trust in you. We hear your word and we, we wonder like Nicodemus, what do you mean? And we know that by your spirit you continually open our hearts and our minds to hear and to know and love your word. So we pray that you may do that today. And if there's anyone here listening who, who wonders, who is this Jesus God, touch their heart. Speak to them by your spirit that they may continually wonder and know and love him who is the word made flesh, Jesus Christ revealed among us. This we pray in his name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we respond to the word, we'll sing a hymn.